chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and uh, verse uh, 35. I got the wrong reference there. It is Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Sorry about that. Luke 1, 26. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary. Uh, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bear and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answering, answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. And uh, dear God, I thank you for the services that we've had already with the, the adult Sunday school and the, and the children's Sunday school. I thank you for your word going forth there. And, and, uh, and Father, uh, help us to apply these things and to grow in the likeness of thee. I ask uh, again for the filling of your spirit, dear God, to minister the word. Uh, your word to your dear people, my dear wife, fill you with your spirit also, and those in the nursery, God, watching the children, we, we need you in, in every aspect, at every moment, and I just pray for the filling of your spirit to take your word uh, to our hearts and help us to learn of thee, uh, of thy blessed son, and dear God, help us, uh, like the apostle Paul, uh, to want to run with you and not against you in this thing of uh, your purpose to, to conform us to the image of Christ. 
I pray that we would yield to your spirit, learn and yield to your word, uh, dear God, and not resist you in that. Help us to grow in the likeness of thee. I'm thankful for each one here. I'm thankful for those that are with us online. Father, as your word goes forth, I pray uh, that the lost would realize how they can be saved by turning from their sin in their hearts, believing in Jesus as the Son of God who's paid for our sins, died, died for us and risen again, and then calling upon him in faith uh, to forgive them and to receive the gift of eternal life. I pray that you give that understanding if someone lost would be uh, with us in the, in, with the, in the service today. And, uh, Father, do thy work in our hearts and glorify your name. And Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Going to be moving about through the scriptures this morning. And uh, sometimes you kind of get a big picture of, look, of things and the Spirit will lay on your heart. Well, I want to point out something just about, you know, some things about the kind of man that Jesus <laughs> uh, was and is. And he's, of course, God and man. But he obviously, while he, he lived here, he exhibited perfect humanity. Uh, if there were, could have been a human being who never sinned against God, and there was one, and it's Jesus Christ, uh, he demonstrated how that would be. And uh, uh, last uh, week, starting the new year, uh, we looked at the resolution to want to be among those who would worship the Son in 21. And that's certainly what we want to do. And, and we saw how that we want to uh, uh, praise him in worship uh, and, uh, and, and, have a, and have a purpose as we worship him. Pray, uh, prayer involved in worship, purity in worship, power in worship. We looked, looked at all those things as, as, well, how do we worship the Son? And, uh, and we can apply those things to our hearts and lives. Uh, this morning might relate to that message in, in this respect. Why do we worship the Son? We know we should. We, we know how we're directed to do it. But here we're going to look this morning at perhaps why do we worship the Son? I've entitled the message, What Manner of Man Is This? What manner of man is this? As we look at the manner of man, Jesus Christ uh, was as he walked upon this earth, uh, uh, we can learn what manner of people we ought to be uh, and learn from that. Uh, I don't have my outline. I left that in my uh, computer case. So God has, has decided that we'd have no outline, no, no, no uh, video this morning. That's okay. We got the word of God. Amen. We got the, the powers right here. So we are thankful for that. Amen. Well, first of all, number one, Jesus Christ is the man of greatest prominence. Jesus Christ is the man of greatest prominence. You know, I think about when he came to this earth, as we've celebrated so much in this past Christmas season, and that uh, it was a great event. Uh, you can imagine how Mary felt when she saw this angel. Uh, she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this, would be, this should be. What is this? great coming what is this great news that i'm receiving 
And uh, matter of fact, God even had uh, prepared a forerunner for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who uh, was also born miraculously, but in, in, in a different sense. He, uh, John Baptist did have an earthly father, uh, Zach- Zacharias, but, but, uh, but uh, they were, they, they, the miracle was that he and his wife Elizabeth had John the Baptist laid in years. Uh, but Jesus Christ, the miracle was far greater than that. Uh, he didn't, uh, he was, uh, Joseph was not his uh, earthly father. He was born supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so he is uh, a, the man of the, of the greatest uh, prominence, preceded by this great salutation of the angel, preceded by uh, this forerunner, John the Baptist, saying uh, uh, the kingdom of God has come and, and uh, the Lord's coming. Make his path straight. You know, the messages that John preached. And we think, of, we think about that. Uh, this, great, this, uh, this great coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter uh, 2 uh, uh, and, uh, and verse 9, there Jesus was ministering in, uh, in uh, Capernaum. And uh, some friends uh, brought their, uh, uh, their friend to Jesus. They, they brought him on a bed. He had palsy. They carried him to the house where Jesus was. Remember that? And took, couldn't get to Jesus. The crowd was so big, they took him up on the roof. And uh, remove the tiling there that they had, had, had placed there and such for, for winter and such perhaps. And lowered him down through that, that tiling before Jesus. Uh, certainly uh, desiring that he'd be healed. Uh, but do you remember uh, uh, what, uh, what Jesus said to that, uh, to that guy on that, on that stretcher? He said, son, what? That when he saw their faith, thy sins be forgiven thee. That, that brought a gasp uh, among some who heard that. Uh, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And they began to wonder. And so Jesus answers their thoughts. Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk. Which is easier to say. Anybody can say thy sins be forgiven. Anybody can do that. Doesn't mean they are. But who can say to the sick of the palsy, rise up and walk? And so Jesus continued, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, in order that you might know that I do have authority on earth to forgive sins, here's what I'm going to do. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. We've never seen it in this manner. (laughs) What manner of man uh, is he? What manner of man is this? He is the man of greatest prominence. He has authority to forgive uh, sins. He came uh, to us from the Father. He came down from heaven. In John eight forty two, 42. Uh, the leaders, the religious leaders were uh, not believing in him. And uh, they were resisting him. And 
And they said, we don't know about you, but they said that God is our father. Jesus answers them and says in John 8, 42, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. See, he wasn't just sent by God like John the Baptist or like other apostles. They were sent by the Holy Spirit. Jesus came from God in the sense that he came down from heaven. He was with God in heaven. And God sent him out on this earth once he got here. He was sent down from heaven. He was with he was with God. Unlike all other men, though, uh, he was not born with a sinful nature. David uh, wrote in Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my, mother conceive, did my mother conceive me. You see, David knew that he was born with a sinful nature. And, we, and every human being besides Jesus Christ has been born with that. And it's only a matter of time before every other human being will sin. It's going to come out sooner or later. Not so with Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says of us, when we, were, when we were without Christ, we were dead in trespasses and sins before we got saved. That was never true of Jesus. Even when he was a child, he was never dead in trespasses and sins. He never had a fallen nature. He never lied as a child. He never disobeyed his parents as a child. He didn't do any sin. He never did them. He didn't have that fallen nature. You see that? He was a man of greatest prominence. Of the greatest prominence. He didn't have that heart like we have. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He didn't have that heart. Yes, he had a heart. Yes, he had a nature that, desired, that needed food for strength. Yes, he had a nature that needed rest for sleep. Uh, yes, he had a nature that got weary when he was tired. He had all those parts of the human nature that come in that natural sense, but he didn't have the fallen spiritual sense that we inherited from Adam in the garden. He didn't have that. He was always in perfect fellowship with the Father, speaking the Father, speaking God's words, doing God's works, the Father working through him and in him. He was the man of great, uh, greatest prominence. Hebrews 7.26 For such an high priest became us or was fitting for us. And by the way, he became one of us. He took on humanity. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. <laughs> he was the man of greatest prominence. Which means, in, in fact, Colossians 1 that he was the preeminent one. <laughs> if you're of the greatest prominence, if you're of the greatest importance, that makes you, the, that makes you preeminent. Nothing is more important than you. <laughs> Nothing is, more high, is higher than you. And that was the case for Jesus Christ. By him were all things created, Colossians 1.16, speaking in context of Jesus Christ. That are in heaven, that are in earth. Talks about everything, visible and invisible, whatever it might be. And he, Jesus Christ, is before all things. 
And by him all things consist. So all things were made by him. John 1 tells us without him not, was there not anything made that was made. So everything that was created was made by him. And he's before them. He wasn't created. And by him all things consist. He's holding all things together. <laughs> That's pretty prominent. That's so prominent it's preeminent. He's, he, he is exalted above all. Exalted above all. Jesus Christ is the, is the man of greatest prominence. Number two, Jesus Christ is the man of greatest power, of greatest power. In Mark chapter 4, at the command of our Lord Jesus, the disciples had gone down to the sea to get in a boat. Uh, while he sent the multitudes away, and, and uh, or this might be the one where he's, he's, he's with them in the boat, but he Yes, he's, he's asleep in the boat. They're going over the sea there. and He's asleep in the boat. And, and a storm rises up in the boat in Mark 4.39. And, uh, and so they come to Jesus and they say, Carest thou not that we perish? And the Bible says in Mark 4.39, he, he, Jesus, arose and rebuked the wind and this, said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. <laughs> and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. <laughs> He's the man of greatest, greatest power. Of greatest power. You know, Isaiah 48 uh, tells us the grass withers the uh, the, 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 the flower of faith the grass withers the grass withers but, but the word of God shall stand forever I got the, the words are escaping me up here um, grass withers the flower through it fall away and there's just some different phrases of that but the word of God stand, abides forever but listen what Jesus said in uh, in uh, in Mark 13 31 heaven and earth shall pass away but what's he say my words shall not pass away we're told God's words will, 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 out, will outlast the earth now Jesus says well that's all going to pass away but what my words won't pass away my words won't pass away he is the one he has the, he has, he has the greatest power uh, Matthew 28 18 all power is given unto me in heaven and earth go you therefore and so he is, he is, he is the man of greatest power uh, thirdly Jesus Christ is the man of greatest purpose uh, we think of what he came here for it's an amazing thing uh, of, of, of what, why he came here uh, he's a man of greatest purpose in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 he's been uh, preaching uh, about and he comes to Nazareth and uh, where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was. We could say as his manner was. As his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And stood up for to read. Uh, he had come to the Jews first. And so they met in the synagogues. And that's where he went. And remember. The Bible tells us that. Because they knew his family. And his brothers and sisters. Many there in Nazareth. His hometown didn't believe on him. But what was his purpose? 
to preach the word of God, to preach that he was the Messiah, that he was one with God, that he came to bear witness of the truth. That's what he did. He came to uh, accomplish all that would be necessary for our salvation and to point to himself, to faith in himself for, to receive that salvation. What a purpose. Uh, the greatest purpose. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And uh, well, we really appreciate that, don't we? Learn in, in, Sunday, in, in Sunday school that we have a, uh, you know, we, we are, the rapture is, a, is going to be pre-tribulation before God pours his wrath out upon the earth. We're not only saved from hell, we're saved from the wrath that God's going to pour out upon the earth one day. What a blessing that is. Think about Jesus from the human perspective. He could have extended his physical life by avoiding the synagogues, perhaps. Yet, as he lived his life in the fear of the Lord, he attended and preached regularly. He was steadfast in his purpose. His resurrection would, fi his resurrection would finish his work, vindicate his holiness, and validate all of his teachings. And he wouldn't be stopped. Remember, there was a time when he departed from the area of Judea because he heard of some murderous plots. But when, his, but when his hour came to be offered up, what does the Bible say? He set his face as a flint to go there. And uh, he was very, he, they had that, that, that great purpose to accomplish all that was necessary for our salvation. Fourthly, Jesus Christ is the man of greatest perseverance. Jesus Christ is the man of greatest perseverance. I think about the Beatitudes and, uh, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit uh, and uh, uh, there's the kingdom of God and such and uh, blessed are they that mourn and they shall be comforted. Uh, but blessed about, about chapter 10 in Matthew chapter 5 he began to say, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. What is Christ doing as he begins teaching things like that? He is preparing his disciples, what? For the persecution that they're going to face. And he wants them to persevere through that. Now, uh, let me discuss that, that, this idea of persevere for a moment. Brother Chris mentioned it this morning. Uh, there are some that have a doctrine of perseverance they would say that, well, if you're saved, then uh, you are going to persevere as a Christian. In other words, you may, as a Christian, if, if, you may wander away a little bit uh, here and there, uh, 
everybody sins here and there. But if you're truly saved, you'll never be one that uh, you're going to finish well. You won't be one that just walks, walks away from the Lord and goes you know, and lives the rest of your life like the sin of the world, and then you die. Uh, uh, if, that, if that happens to you, you were never saved. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that. See, they call that doctrine the perseverance of the saints. And they say, if you're truly saved, you'll just want it a little bit, but you'll come back in the end. That's not taught in the Bible. Jude says we are preserved in Christ. As Brother Chris uh, showed us in the study this morning the Bible clearly teaches that whether you're, uh, whether you're a, a sleeping Christian or an awake Christian you're going with Jesus when he comes back if you're, whether you're slumbering spiritually or awake spiritually when Jesus comes back as a believer you're going, you're going to heaven you see because our salvation is not dependent upon, upon our obedience Christ did it for us so we learned that, uh, that Christians, uh, the Christians, what? We learned in, in 1 Thessalonians, Christians uh, can sleep like the world, can't they? They can look into the world and say, well, look at all that fun there. The Bible talked in 1 Thessalonians about, about the world sleeps. Those are, those are darkness, they, they sleep in the night. Those are drunk, they get drunk in the night. Well, guess what? We learned from the Bible, Christians can do that too, Amen. That's why Paul said that we're not, we're not to sleep not as others. That means it's possible for a Christian to be saved and go back and live in old sins. And by the way, even die in them. That's possible. That's possible. But when I say perseverance is, you don't have to. See, because God wants you to come to him and get victory so that what? So that you do finish well. And so that I do finish well. And so that we don't have to be among those who will be ashamed at his appearing. And by the way, that will be the case of those who do fall away. They're truly born again, but they do fall away and don't come back. They'll be ashamed. They'll be, they'll be chastened here. And they'll be ashamed and fearful at the judgment seat of Christ to lose their confidence. But once you get your salvation, you can't lose it. Because it's a free gift. And you did nothing to gain it. And, but God wants us not only to be saved, but to persevere. I mean, and I'm talking about there in faithfulness to Him. To where we do serve. We do surrender our lives to Him. And uh, He has that for us if we'll, if we'll trust Him. Uh, the Bible says about our Savior... His greatest in perseverance, he said. It says uh, uh, Isaiah speaking of the uh, of the coming Messiah. Uh, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Isaiah forty two four says, He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. He's going to get it done. He's not going to fail. He's not going to be discouraged. And when Jesus starts teaching things like that, the latter part of the Beatitudes, and we see those encouragements from the Apostle Paul to, to be watchful, that's what's saying. We don't have to fail. We don't have to fall away. We can finish a faithful Christian serving. Will we finish sinless? No, it's too late for that. How many of you, since you got saved, you say, well, I haven't sinned so far since I've been born again. 
Rightly, I see no hands, okay? Looks like we failed there, didn't it? That doesn't mean that we can't get that right and be finished, and finish what? Serving God. Just finish things so that we're not like those some that do go back and live like the world and forget God. Peter even said what? The people who did this, some believers who did that, what? Had forgotten that they were what? Purged from their old sins. That's how bad a Christian can get. But God says, we don't have to go there. Because we can come to Jesus and we can find the grace that we need uh, uh, to, to, to persevere through whatever trials that we have. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And you and I can finish his work, amen, whatever he's called us to do. And he'll give us the grace and strength to do that. Number five, Jesus Christ is the man of greatest pardon. He's the man of greatest pardon. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees, the rulers of Israel, didn't believe on him, uh, they, uh, uh, they uh, liked their position of power and uh, they'd gotten away from teaching the law. They were pretty much teaching their own traditions and everything that they'd added and then taken away from the law. And so when he began, you know, uh, reestablishing the law and teaching what the law really said, they realized that he was actually saying that they were condemned and they weren't saved just because they were Jews. And they didn't like that. And so they, they, their hearts were rejecting him uh, but they could find nothing in his deeds that were wrong. And they kept condemning about, about the Sabbath. But then Jesus pointed out, well, God worked on the Sabbath. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I'm his son, so do I. I'll, I'll do that when I, when I will. You know, the Sabbath was what? Made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Amen? So what did they do when they couldn't point out the, so, the wrong, so to speak, in his deeds and such? They, be, they pointed to his spirit. You know? And they said what? He cast out devils through Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Where's he getting all this power from? Because people saw that power. Remember the, remember the man that was born blind? Well, who ever heard of someone that was born blind receiving their sight? He was convinced because of that miracle that Jesus was a prophet. And by the way, then when Jesus met him, he was convinced that he was Messiah. These miracles were convincing people. And rightly so, they were foretold concerning the Messiah in the, in the Old Testament prophets. He was doing those things that Messiah would do miraculously. So they began to condemn what? Well, he's doing that by the power of the devil. That was a big mistake. Uh, what did Jesus say to them in Matthew 12, 31? I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, some have asked, well, what does blasphemy against the Holy Ghost mean? Um, well, first of all, we have to recognize when we study the context of the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost in which Jesus speaks, that set of circumstances cannot be repeated upon the earth today. Let me repeat that. That set of circumstances cannot be repeated upon the earth today. Say, why is that, preacher? Because as I mentioned, 
Jesus Christ was perfect humanity. He didn't have a fallen spirit. So when he spoke, everything that he did was totally in line with God and God's Holy Spirit. Everything that he said was totally in line with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. So when you said that he was doing power, things by the power of the devil, you were, you were condemning both God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it really is what you're doing. See, if somebody says, says that you and I, as a born-again Christian, well, you're just doing that by the power of the, spirit, by, by the, power of the devil. Guess what? They might be right. Because <laughs> I have a fallen spirit. And by the way, so do you. We have a wicked, sinful nature, don't we? They just might be right. Matter of fact, sometimes we even, we even share uh, the scripture uh, to someone with the wrong motive. We can tell them the truth that can save them with the wrong motive. The devil can be involved in our sharing of the scriptures. Isn't that interesting? Trying to interrupt it and such. That can happen with every human being on the earth before and after Jesus Christ. During Jesus' time, that was impossible with him. So he warns them. And I think the warning has, has the idea of, listen, he says, God the Father has been dealing with you in the Old Testament. And he knows that he's talking right now to people who haven't believed in him yet either, by the way. They haven't believed in him according to the scriptures, to God the Father. He later tells him, "If God were your father, they were." They, he said, "You're the father. You're you're of your father, the devil." God the Father has been dealing with you in the Old Testament, and you rejected him. Now God the Son is here. I'm dealing with you. And by the way, in His mercy, He even says, "You can speak against the Son of Man, but don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit." I'll go back to that. But God the Son is here. And you're rejecting him. You got one more chance. God the Holy Spirit's coming. You reject him. You reject him. You don't have any. You don't have any hope. You see, we're in the church age. Those who reject the gospel message don't have any hope. Last chance. Last chance. And I think that's part of what he's saying there. And of course we know that, the, that, the, that unbelief is what condemns people uh, to hell in the, you know, is, what, is what, the, what the scripture says uh, in this message that we're preaching. It's what condemns, it is what condemns uh, people to hell. Jesus uh, talked about the spirit coming in John 16, 7. I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the comfort that the spirit will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And he says he's going to reprove the world of, of multiple things. And he says in John 16, 9, he will reprove the world of sin. Here it is. Because they believe not on me. Oh, preacher, don't you think he didn't say he will reprove the world of sin because it's so wicked and vile? Well, that's true. But that's not all he reproves the world of sin. See, because he has paid for the sins of the world he has atoned for sin 
He has taken care of the sin problem on the cross of Calvary through his death, burial, and resurrection. By the way, the Bible says he, was, became, he did that once for all. Amen. That's been taken care of. The solution for the sin problem is now to what? Is to believe on him. It was faith, in a sense, in the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. It was faith in, the, in, the, in, in Jesus as the Messiah uh, uh, while he was here on earth. And now it's faith that he came, died for, on the cross, was buried, and rose again for us today. It's been faith all along. See? Now it's he that, Jesus says, there'll be the, the, the Holy Spirit's going to reprove of sin because they believe not on me. What a merciful God. What a pardon. You mean, uh, well, I, I would surely think that, you know, somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, would, would go to hell, uh, uh, you know, as somebody who just told a few lies. Doesn't Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, the guy that killed people and ate them, you know, doesn't, doesn't he have to do a, a little bit more than somebody else to get to heaven? Absolutely not. <laughs> the worst sins were all taken care of through Jesus Christ. And in his great pardon... All, anyone, anywhere, at any time in this world as we take this message out, all they need to do is what? Believe in Him. Trust in Him, the way the Bible says. What a pardon. What a pardon. What a pardon. He is faithful uh, and uh, has given us this salvation. <clears throat> Peter said, Through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Did you get that? Tell me something. What's the law of Moses? The Ten Commandments and all those, you know, that, that, are, that are involved in the keeping of those ten. Hundreds of commandments. The law of Moses. If God says you can't be justified by that, what kind of rule are you, rules are you going to make up that you think you can be justified by? If, what God, if God says you can't be justified by faithfully doing what he told you you ought to do in all those commandments, if that can't justify you, you think some list that you make up, is going to, if you keep that list, that's going to justify you? Absolutely not. You see, God knows that we're sinners. He made a great pardon for us through Jesus Christ. Now it's belief. Now it's belief. And we have studied before, believe, repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. You repent, you, repentance toward God, you're sorry that you've sinned against a holy God, and you're worthy of hell. And so you yield to the, the moving of that spirit, repentance toward God, and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way he made to be saved. Trusting in Christ alone. And he saves you. He, has, he is the man of the greatest uh, of the greatest. Uh, uh, pardon and then sixthly and finally he is the man of the greatest pity he's the man of the greatest pity in Matthew 9 36 Jesus saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd he came what to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases Mark 10 1 uh, he was a man of greatest pity now, I was thinking about this by way of illustration. Remember when Herod took John prisoner, John the Baptist, and, and uh, he, uh, 
He has John in prison. Herod has this wild party. And uh, Herodias' daughter uh, dances before Herod and his leaders and such. And, and they have this uh, drunken, uh, lustful party. And then Herod asks Herodias' daughter, what do you want? Anything. I'll give it to you for half the kingdom. What she asked for, you remember? John Baptist's head. And so Herod, not wanting to have his pride sullied in front of all those he invited, goes and sends and has John beheaded. Did you know that while John was in prison, the Bible says Herod heard him and he heard him gladly? He knew John was a man of God. Think how merciful God is. Even while Herod had taken God's messenger and put him in prison, God was still helping Herod through John's counsel. Isn't that amazing? And then you know what Jesus did when he heard about John Baptist being beheaded? Read your Bible. What happened was Jesus heard about it. Then he wanted to get away a bit. He wanted to gather his disciples and go away across the sea. But do you remember who followed him? The 5,000. Remember that? So while we got the world persecuting faith in their drunken darkness, doing all kinds of evil, murdering the righteous, Jesus hears about it. Do we see him getting incensed at the government? No, we don't. He goes away. We need a little break, fellas. And then the multitudes come. And by the way, the Bible says he was moved with compassion toward him. And what amazes me is this was not a believing multitude. He fed them. He preached to them. Took care of all of them. Keep reading in your Bible, the same multitude eventually, he went back across the sea, the same multitude came and, and, and came around and said, Do the bread thing again. And Jesus said to them, What? You came to me only because you're seeking the bread, not because you believe. They still didn't believe. He did all that mercy and all that compassion in the, in the face of that evil government and to those unbelievers whom he knew wouldn't appreciate what he did. That blows my mind. How kind would you and I be to someone we knew was going to turn around and turn, our, turn their back on us? And bad and, 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 and you know bad talkers uh, uh, later to somebody else. How kind would you and I be to that person? It is amazing that though God the Son knew all things. You see, they made that choice. They could have believed. They could have believed when Jesus preached to the five thousand. They could have believed. We don't read anywhere in the Bible that says they couldn't have believed. They could have believed. They made a choice. They didn't. But guess what? Jesus knew they wouldn't. And yet it didn't change his actions toward them. 
because that's part of his plan to let us have a free will and exercise it. And it won't change his love toward us even though we don't deserve it. Amen. Even though we don't deserve it. He be, he, Jesus Christ is the man of greatest pity. Now think about this. You know, as we think about it. We ought to ask ourselves. I thought about the title of the message this morning. Mind your manner. Not manners, just mind your manner. What kind of manner of life will you and I live in 2021 if the Lord gives us the whole year? What kind of, what manner of life will we live? We looked at all these things about Jesus, how he lived. And I think about, you say, well, that was Jesus. You know, uh, we couldn't, uh, uh, you know, begin to accomplish uh, that. No, certainly we're not going to live a, a sinlessly perfect life. But we can follow in these things. The Apostle Paul did. Think about Paul's life just in closing for a moment. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.15, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. What is Paul saying? By God's grace... I became a prominent person in your life for the glory of Jesus Christ. You see that? Because he was a sharer of the gospel, he was doing what God called him to do. He was a church planner, missionary. But because he obeyed God, what happened? He became prominent in the lives of others. He became a prominent figure. Did you know you and I can do that? If we just do what God tells us to do if we just talk to whom God tells us to talk to if we just minister to whom God tells us to minister we can become by the grace of God a prominent person in somebody else's life isn't that encouraging that's like by the way that's like Jesus amen uh, think about the apostle Paul he says my speech and my preaching in 2 Corinthians 2 4 was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of what power they, they, they called uh, you know, Paul's speech rude. Seems, seems like he wasn't a good speaker. And by the way, uh, you know, people talk about Jonathan Edwards just reading his sermon and such on a monotone. But we have to remember, the power comes from the Word of God as we trust the Spirit of God. Regardless of what kind of speaker you are. The Apostle Paul, was a, was, his speech was rude, the Bible says. Uh, he says he didn't endeavor to use enticing words. If you're planning on enticing words and flowery speech to draw people uh, to Christ, it's not going to do it. It's what we're trusting in. By the way, Apollos was what, according to the Bible, and what? Eloquent speaker, was he not? Yes, he was. So we've got an eloquent speaker and we've got a rude speaker. Well, certainly one of them God can't use. Wrong. <laughs> God used them both. You know why? Because Apollos trusted in God and the Holy Spirit and His Word, and Paul trusted in God and the Holy Spirit and His Word, and that makes all the difference. That's it. That makes all the difference. That's why you and I ought to receive God's Word by faith from everyone up here that preaches it. Amen. 
regardless of the different styles or different gifts or different personalities, if it's God's word coming forth uh, fr from the word of God and we're trusting in God to reveal it, they're, they're trusting in, in God to reveal it, God can do it, amen, through it. And we thank God for that. By the way, so he had that power. Paul experienced perseverance. He said, having therefore obtained help of God, Acts 26, 22, I continue unto this day. I'm still going. I think of the Energizer Bunny, the Apostle Paul. Still going. Still going. Still going. He said in Acts 20, 24, about all the persecutions. Remember those beatitudes? Blessed are ye when men. I'm sure Paul got encouragement from that. He says, but none of these things move me. What was he saying? But I've been able to remain sinless. Absolutely not. What he's saying is, but by the grace of God, I've stayed the course because God's helped me. Didn't count my life dear unto myself. Counted Jesus Christ as the preeminent one. <laughs> Looking to him. He said, none of these things move me. Didn't get moved out of the way. Think about pardon. That was obvious in the Apostle Paul's life when he was correcting some sin in the church and a person had repented. It was time to receive them back. And he says in 2 Corinthians 2.9, he writes, To this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. See, he was also known for pardon. I forgive also. What does the Bible tell us? Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Will these things be the manner in your life and in my life this year, if the Lord gives us the year? Power, perseverance, purpose, prominence in somebody else's life. It's available to us through the Word of God, the Spirit of God, purchased for us by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> forgiving one another the pity Paul says in 2nd Thessalonians 1st Thessalonians 2 7 but we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherisheth her children gentle we have a pity toward people that are lost years ago uh Al Gore won some kind of a prize, I forget it was, or a magazine cover uh, for this thing on the, in your ecological footprint, you know, the, the carbon footprint idea, you know, with the, with the green movement and all that. You know, people are concerned about the earth, people who, those earth dwellers that, that uh, Brother Chris was talking about, hey, we ought, we ought to be good stewards of the earth. We ought not to be wasteful. But folks, uh, this planet as it is not our final home amen and by the way we know how this is going to end here we're already told that so we're not worried about that like some of the earth dwellers are because this, if this is the only hope that they got it, the way things are right now they need to get busy they got they got a whole lot to figure out than they figured out so far okay no we don't have to worry about that but you know what we ought to be worried about our spiritual footprint amen about our spiritual footprint. I think of the Apostle Paul rec uh, remembering his as he was speaking to the 
elders at Ephesus. He met them on the, on the coast there at Miletus. He didn't want to take time to go into town to Ephesus. He was on his way to Jerusalem. And so he called the elders and he met them at Miletus. He sent for the elders and they, they came. And when they were come to, the, come to him, he said, You know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons? Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. There's that purpose. Serving the Lord. And with many tears. There's that pity. And temptations. There's that perseverance. Which, which befell me by the lying and way of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. There's that purpose and that preaching of God's word again. But I've showed you and I've taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Later he would say, I know that ye among whom I preach the gospel will see my face no more. What does the Bible say? They wept for those words. They wept for those words that they never see him anymore. Why? Because he left a spiritual footprint in their lives. Amen. He became a prominent figure in their lives simply because he did, by the grace of God, what God called him to do. We all can do that. Did you know that we have spiritual life because of God's pardon? Right? And we live the Christian life by God's power, by the Lord's power. His pardon gives us life. His power helps us live the Christian life. And what do we do it for? We do it for His praise. For Him to get the glory. That's what the Christian life's all about. And every believer can do that. Can do that. And we can have, in that sense, a... Uh, manner of life like the Lord Jesus Christ like the Apostle Paul and those who have followed him and we can make a difference in the lives of those around us and glorify God in whatever time we have left amen God wants us to do that let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's, it, it will always be amazing to me. It has been thus far, and I trust by your grace it will yet be. That always be amazing that you have come to earth to know by our human experience by living it. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you. And Father, we are in awe that you have purchased all for us, made our salvation a free gift, made it conditioned upon faith alone in you. And then after that gift is received, the Holy Spirit comes in. Then you give us the opportunity to live for you and know full joy, full peace, full confidence just by learning your word, yielding to your spirit, and becoming more like Jesus Christ. 
Father, please help us in that. Anyone who may be watching this service, hearing this service, Father, doesn't know you as Savior, I think the gospel has been clear. We're sinners. Wages of sin is death. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. If rewards were, if, or if heaven was dependent upon what we deserve, that's where we'd go. We'd all miss it. That's what would happen. None of us would get there. We'd have to go to hell. But you did send your son to die for us and rise again. And he did become the propitiation for our sins. You're satisfied with what he did for us. Not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. And God, if someone watching now will trust you, turn from their sins in their heart, believing Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive them and save them and give them the gift of eternal life, your, your wrath will be appeased toward them immediately because of what Christ has done for them. They can just pray something like this, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I know I've sinned against you, and best I know how, I believe in your son. And I ask Jesus, best I know how, to, to forgive me and save me. I, I claim your promise, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've done that right now the best way I know how. I've called upon you. So I claim your promise shall be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for, for forgiving me. And Father, anyone who may have prayed that, meaning it with their heart to you, you know, and they know. Uh, they've been born again. I pray they tell somebody. Pray they tell somebody they got forgiven. Pray they'd let us know at this church somehow that that has happened so we could pray for them. And God, I thank you for the believers here that are born again. We, we've been saved, forgiven, and, and we want to have a manner of life like you. Help us, help us uh, to live that for your glory and, and thereby to, to make a difference in the lives of others as well. Help us to be careful to thank you and praise you. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen.